San Francisco is no stranger to boom-bust cycles, but it's been caught in what some call the doom loop since the pandemic, struggling with high office and retail vacancies and a lack of tourists and foot traffic while facing challenges like crime and growing homelessness. But as the city by the bay rebuilds, the narrative is changing to opportunity for some commercial real estate investors. CoStar News and Hotel News Now reporters Katie Burke and Brian Roten set out to learn where those opportunities lie in an article series for CoStar News and Hotel News Now. In this podcast, Burke and Roten give a behind-the-scenes look at their reporting. They talk about their experiences walking through tourist spots and business hubs in the city. They share insight into interviews with property owners, retail tenants, hotel GMs, and more to share the story behind the story of San Francisco's comeback. Thanks for listening. Sean McCracken, news editor for Hotel News Now, here with Brian Roden, my colleague and senior reporter for Hotel News Now, Katie Burke, a reporter for CoStar News covering the Bay Area. And what we really want to talk about today is the two of you got together to report out this big piece about San Francisco and what's going on in that city. A lot of unique perspective, a lot of outside noise and you guys are really trying to cut through that so katie as the person who covers that market and a person who's from the bay area with intimately familiar i wonder what was your impetus for wanting to do this and what or what would you say the story of san francisco is right now san francisco is a city that has always gone through this boom bust cycle and so when the pandemic broke out and the bulk of its tech companies that are based in or have some sort of presence there began pulling workers out and operating remotely it went from firing on all cylinders being one of the priciest office markets in the country to essentially just being drained of all of the people walking around of all of the retailers that were up and about and since then over the past few years it hasn't really found its footing again and it hasn't adapted to a reality that it's facing right now in terms of its significant budget deficit in terms of bringing back some of the leasing momentum and so at this point the city is trying to reposition itself to rebuild and recover and It's struggling, but also caught in a narrative that some people think is overblown. So it's fighting against a lot of different things, but it's also facing a few areas of growing optimism. And that's kind of what we wanted to focus on here was just figuring out how the city is going to come out of this doom loop narrative and essentially rebuild. The one thing I'm wondering as somebody who hasn't been in that market as intimately is there's a lot of doom and gloom narrative around it and how much of that is the reality and what's the real problem there is it a san francisco still a great city but the investment thesis doesn't work the same way or is it that something fundamentally needs to be fixed so It's kind of a multi-layered issue in terms of how the city is changing, what some of the problems it's facing have changed, and 
what it's doing to really combat that. And so issues like homelessness or the affordability crisis with its housing market, crime rates, all of the things that on a national level have made it really challenging for San Francisco to appeal to tourists or offices looking to expand. A lot of those issues aren't new. The only new thing that has emerged over the past few years is the lack of steady foot traffic on sidewalks. And so when Brian and I were visiting the city a couple of weeks ago, it was way emptier than what it had been prior to the pandemic. There were fewer office workers walking about during the lunch hour. There were fewer tourists walking around. And so having fewer people just moving through the city on a day-to-day basis has made it so that a lot of the problems that have been there for years are amplified. And so on a national level, it looks like the situation in San Francisco has worsened, but really it's just kind of this shift that has spotlighted a lot of the issues that have already been there. So the problem is how the city is going to figure out how to kind of rebalance the equation so that it doesn't look as dire as what people might think it looks like. Mm -hmm. So Brian, appropriately, you're the traveler into San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm guessing you went there to get that travel perspective. So what was your perspective going in and what did you walk away with after that? Well, like everyone else, you read the news stories, you hear the narrative about the city, but in doing some interviews ahead of time to prepare for going there, I heard you know, a surprising amount of optimism, at least at the time it was surprising, that uh, people were talking about how conditions were actually getting better, but the narrative hadn't caught up with that yet, so... I really wanted to go in there with an open mind because, uh, I mean, I don't know if it was months ago or a year ago, you know, you, you hear about, oh, people are, when they're parking their cars in San Francisco, they're leaving their cars unlocked and the doors open so that way, you know, if someone's trying to steal something from their car, they can look inside see there's nothing in there instead of smashing their windows and, you know, moving on to the next car. But, at, you know, when I was there walking around, no, I saw nothing like that. It, it was, you know, we walked around a couple afternoons through tourist areas, through business districts and all that. Nothing, it, it seemed just... Not know, quite dystopian. No, not, not at all. I mean, you know, I, I go to conferences in New York, go to L.A. It felt very much just like walking around another major city. Not to say that there aren't problems there, but... Every major city has problems that they're trying to deal with constantly. Mm-hmm. Well, and even the homeless issue, I mean, like, it's very concentrated in some pockets right now, whereas what I found interesting is that before the pandemic, it was a lot more spread out. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because, especially with, you know, office workers moving through the area, a lot of homeless people would 
you know, ask them for money or ask them for food or something like that. And now that those office workers aren't coming in, maybe those same people have kind of moved elsewhere. I, I don't know, but it just didn't, it doesn't seem as bad as what I remember it to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just me, you know, just becoming immune to it or me really kind of figuring out how the city is shifting right now, but it, that didn't seem as pronounced as, you know, what you might see in some headlines right now. Yeah, I, I talked to uh, you know a handful of hotel general managers, you know, before and, and, and while I was there, and I asked, you know, hey, when you're talking to guests, when you're getting your comment cards, what's, what's the feedback you're getting from them about the city? And overwhelmingly, they said, Guests are saying, "Oh yeah, I, you know, I was walking around and it felt, you know, perfectly safe walking around. Uh, it, you know, things were a lot better than I heard they were." So you have this negative, you know, public perception. But once they get in there, you're like, "Oh, it's it's not anywhere near as bad as I thought." Well, and it's such a neighborhood to neighborhood mm-hmm. issue right now too. I mean, like when Brian and I were walking around, I, it was like a Monday or a Tuesday, and so. Those are typically days of the week where a lot more people are able to work remotely and they don't necessarily make the commute into the city. And walking down Market Street, which is the main thoroughfare in downtown, it was noisy and there's buses and cable cars and some tourist activity up on the sidewalk. But then we turn into a neighborhood. It's called the East Cut, but prior to the pandemic, it's where a majority of the tech companies were, majority of the fancy office buildings that were being developed. And we turn into this neighborhood and it it's dead quiet, which is just something that is so unfamiliar to me growing up in the city and just watching this this one neighborhood develop over the past couple of decades. And it almost felt it didn't feel unsafe, but so weird. It was like walking around the city on a Sunday and just having it barren and drained and empty, which are just never adjectives I would use to describe San Francisco. You <laughs> almost felt alien. Almost, yeah, like kind of like post-Independence Day sort of deal. You know, mm-hmm. like we're... <laughs> I didn't mean that sort of alien, but... <laughs> well, no, but it had that eerie vibe where it's just not... It's not normal. Yeah. And... So that's probably one of the biggest issues the city has to confront in terms of how do we how do we bring people back to some of these areas that you know used to be so reliant on a population of companies and workers that simply don't have the presence that they used to before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was talking to the the GM of the Hotel Nico, she said she you know went out you know one afternoon and she went to like a coffee shop or something like that. And she got into a conversation with a woman in line, and she was asking, "Oh, so are you are you visiting the city?" And the woman said, "Oh no, uh, you know, I, I live in the area. I just, you know, I work, you know, remotely. You know, I can't remember if it's full time or part time, but like I, I rarely come into the city now because you know a lot of the the shops and other you know cafes have closed." And she said, "Well, do you think maybe the reason a lot of those have closed is because a lot of people are." not coming into the city so they don't have the business to support it and she's like oh mm-hmm. i never thought of it that way mm-hmm. well and there's even a phrase that is getting touted around in a lot of coverage on san francisco right now called the doom loop and that's essentially what it is it's 
caught in this catch-22 of there's not enough people coming in, so then businesses are closing. And so when I was talking to the city's economist, he basically said that the city needs to rework its formula in terms of what it depends on for incoming revenue and also just what it depends on in terms of the activity that some of these companies and some of these industries generate now because it's fundamentally different. So from what you've heard and your time there, what's your sense on what a path to normalcy would be or what do people think that might be? So a lot of people are willing to bet on the growing artificial intelligence industry in the Mm -hmm. city. So just a bounce back in tech then. Exactly. Um, Which, you know, like that, it's very real right now in terms of those are some of the few companies that are looking to lease new space. And even though it's not, you know, like the full building leases that Meta or Salesforce or some of the other tech giants had been, you know, generating prior to the 2020 outbreak, it's still something. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you look back about a decade ago, companies like Airbnb or Uber were leasing, you know, less than 10,000 square feet. And now there's some of the biggest employers in the city. Mm -hmm. And so brokers I've talked to and developers and landlords are all looking at this as a bright spot and an otherwise pretty dim outlook in terms of new leasing activity. And even the mayor is saying that San Francisco is the AI hub for the entire world. And so I reached out to the co-founder of an AI startup And he was basically just saying the same thing in terms of San Francisco was where the talent was, San Francisco was where it would be easier for him to be able to grow his company. And sure, there are some problems right now that they're contending with, but for the long-term outlook, that was the best place for him to set up and establish his business. Is there any sense that you get that part of this might be San Francisco? Is it almost in a way ahead of the curve economically in that I mean obviously the issues in the tech industry have been so pronounced like it's almost like they're in a recession bubble which has not hit the rest of the country in the same way and if the AI driven rebound realizes then San Francisco could be on the other side of the recession into a rebound ahead of the rest of the country almost. I think with some of the bigger tech companies, it's not even a recession for them, um, Mm -hmm. simply because when advertising revenue and competition and just the pandemic-fueled growth that they've been reporting pretty much from 2020 to probably early 2022, all of that started to slow down. And so investors started looking at them and going, wait, you can't be spending all of this money on fancy offices Mm -hmm. and not pulling in a big profit. You've got to shift your focus. And so a lot of them just became a lot more wary of being prudent with their money, being prudent with any sort of investment capital they've been able to get. And in turn, that meant they were pulling back on expensive real estate, subleasing a ton of space that they probably didn't use because of remote work, 
and the hiring slowdown also meant that they didn't need as much as much real estate as they probably thought they did so even though those companies aren't growing the same way they still are maintaining a presence in the city and especially with the ai growth that is beginning to accelerate that's a good argument that a lot of people are starting to think Mm -hmm. in terms of san francisco might not be as strong as it used to be but it has the building blocks to accelerate out of any sort of recession or any sort of economic challenges that the rest of the country could be facing over the next you know year or two Ryan, from a hotel and travel perspective, how are you hearing optimism that business travel that drove the market could be on the way back? Or is it dependent on all the same economic issues that uh, Katie was describing? I think a little bit of both. Um, In talking with uh, some of the folks over at San Francisco Travel, um, so one of the things that really helped hotels over the last 10 12 years was the convention business that would come to the city and uh, i think they said on average the you know they could get like 850,000 room nights sometimes some years more than that some years less but what that would do is it would create compression in the city and that would help hotels drive up rates mm-hmm. so that's why you know whenever you know weekly performance data came out and they look at the top 25 markets, San Francisco rates were always, if not the top, very close to it. So in 2019 is when they started seeing some convention business start to pull back a little bit just because of the cost of holding, you know, a a citywide in in San Francisco. And then you had the, the, you know, the pandemic hit. So now they are really trying to figure out ways to bring that convention business back because it was such a driver for rates. And so they're looking at doing things like finding other cities that have convention centers that are going to be going under renovation soon and having those groups come to San Francisco at least for a couple of years or going back to groups that have come in the past, but now they're in other cities and having like a rotational thing where mm-hmm. San Francisco gets it one year, maybe it's in Vegas the next year, that kind of thing. Did you hear anything that would indicate they're being as productive or um, active in trying to bring back international travelers, which is obviously a big demand stream that's gone away? Yeah, um, I think they're projecting that they're not going to see 2019 levels of international arrivals, particularly from from Asia, until like at least... I think it was uh, like 2026 or 27. I I was going to say, I think it was 27. It's not anywhere in the near future. It's going to, because like, we're we're going through earnings coverage season Mm -hmm. right now, and uh, I know from covering uh, Marriott, they're seeing a lot of great, you know, hotel demand in, in China in particular. But that's because it's so much domestic yeah. travel within the country Intra- right now. China travel is definitely a trend this quarter. But it was interesting to me. Speaking of earnings, as we sit to record this, um, just earlier, Park had their mm-hmm. call where they mentioned that. Uh, Travel officials in Hawaii have been very proactive 
in going to Japan to try and reopen that travel corridor. And I wonder if there's something similar in San Francisco. I, I know San Francisco travel, they've recently, uh, they've created, a, you know, a, they have a $6 million grant from state and federal government. And, you know, they produced a commercial that they're, they have here domestically, but they're also, you know, having shown in, in international markets as well. So, I think they're they're trying to figure out how to get the the international travel back. But mm-hmm. it's just a matter of everyone's waiting for that to come back too. Katie, I know Brian was specifically covering the hotel and travel side of this, but from a more macro perspective, I wonder how big a lack of tourism is to the San Francisco market. I mean, it's definitely not small, but any sort of dip right now is, I mean, like just in my gut, it feels temporary because San Francisco is a city that isn't just one city for tourists because they can fly in to SFO, which just underwent a massive renovation. It's one of the best airports. I think it ranks globally. And um, from the city, tourists have access to the wine country or Mm -hmm. heading down to Santa Barbara is pretty simple if they want to do a day trip there. They've got access to the waterfront in Sausalito. I mean, like, it's very much a multi-destination destination. destination. It's a quintessential gateway market. It really is, and that's not going to go away. I think that the, the temporary issues it's facing are going to be temporary and it's going to hurt right now it obviously hurts the city's budget i mean Mm -hmm. the city is projecting a shortfall of about 800 million dollars like which is not insignificant and there's of course an entire ecosystem of retailers and businesses that really rely on those tourists to come but they'll they'll come back Mm -hmm. I, i mean the city is dealing with a PR crisis right now in terms of, you know, putting out the fires with all of the headlines about crime and rampant drug use and a lot of the other things that make it so that, you know, if you're choosing a destination, San Francisco probably isn't going to be the one that you're going to pay to go to. But long term, that that will shift. And, and there have been a lot of executives and stakeholders in the city that, that believe the same thing. Mm -hmm. Have you heard, either of you, from investors who are eager about the opportunity right now? Does it feel like it's a distressed buying opportunity? Yes, big time, especially now that a lot of property owners are realizing that valuations are nowhere near their expectations and Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case in the earlier years of the pandemic when buyers felt that their properties were worth you know an x amount now they're realizing that there is a very small pool of people willing to invest in any sort of commercial real estate these days because of high interest rates or any sort of market challenges but with san francisco in particular pricing has fallen to a level where it's kind of a bargain basement sort of situation Mm -hmm. where a lot of people are willing to take advantage of it and they think that it's only a good time if you've got the capital and are willing to sit on it for a while that's yeah that's the thing i i 
in I talked to John Bortz, the the CEO for Pebble Brook Hotel Trust. They have eight hotels in San Francisco. They've owned a bunch over the years, either that they've bought themselves or they got through their acquisition of LaSalle years ago. Uh, and while Pebble Brook isn't in a he said, you know, the company's not in a position to buy hotels in San Francisco or really, really they're not looking to buy anywhere at this point, just given current market conditions and better uses of their of their capital right now to, you know, reinvest and you know, buybacks and all that. But you know, he said if it was his own money, he would buy in San Francisco because he sees the long term, you know, success coming from a recovery, but it's it's it has to be a long term hold. Yeah, I do wonder who the ideal buyer is right now. And obviously, the issues Pebblebrook would face would be universal to hotel REITs. Um, mm-hmm. That's not... It's it's hard to be a buyer if you're a hotel REIT right now. But it seems like private equity buyer, some family office that you don't have to answer to the markets. It's compelling. Yeah, and it's just a matter of you know, the current market, condition, market conditions cost of of capital and whether the pricing is right for you if that's what you want to get uh it it may be that investors see the trouble that san francisco's in right now Mm -hmm. and they're waiting to see is this is this the bottom or if they wait a little bit longer can they get even better pricing yeah and if you don't have to finance those deals that's easier that's the other thing because if you're an owner right now and your hotel is doing okay right now you can maybe see how well it's going and your your hotel you may have a valuation of it you know internally but if you're seeing a neighboring property that's in trouble going for less mm-hmm. you're worried what that's going to mean for the valuation of your own property and a deal mm-hmm. katie are you seeing the same investment dynamics across the different sectors of real estate yes and no san francisco's unique in that the two real challenging areas in its real estate market right now are hospitality and office. Multifamily is still doing very well. It's still mm-hmm. one of the most expensive housing markets in, in the country, if not the world. And um, so on the investment side, it, it's really circumstantial. And I think mm-hmm. that it's interesting that a lot of sellers or a lot of the property owners that are defaulting on loans are kind of tagging the city and leveraging this doom loop narrative to justify their exits. Um, And what I mean by that is with like the Westfield Shopping Center, which is right along Market Street, Unibail Romesco is the property owner for that shopping mall, which is an iconic property in the city it's one of the largest it has long attracted tourists and locals and they defaulted on their major loan but Unibail had just a year ago said that they were looking to exit all of their U.S. properties so you have to not just take some of these exits at face value you kind of have to look a little bit beyond in terms of what their motivations really are in terms of selling off their properties or not paying for them. I mean, that's obviously true on the hotel side. Park was the big example, you know, Park Hotels and Resorts, which is a REIT that spun off from Hilton a few years back. They walked away from Park 55 and 
the Hilton yeah. Union Square. The Hilton Union Square, um, and have been very open about the fact that if they didn't have to spend $300 million over the next few years to renovate those hotels, it might have been more compelling. And just earlier today, their CEO was saying he will not hesitate to buy it again in San Francisco. It was just those dynamics in that property didn't work. Well, and that's why it's really a case-by-case basis that, unfortunately, very few people understand about the city. Um, it's the headlines that, that grab their attention, and they may not go past the headlines. Exactly, and it kind of slaps the city with this label that is a one-size-fits-all but isn't accurate because essentially going from neighborhood to neighborhood, property to property, even sector to sector, it's, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Given that real estate broadly has been so hard to come by in San Francisco, do you think that there will be a significant amount of um, conversions from one use case to another? Like, could you convert a big hotel into housing or find new uses for empty office spaces? Do you think that'll be part of the San Francisco narrative? I think it will be part. I just don't, I don't think anybody knows how big of a part it will be, mostly because the city has a lot to undo in terms of really complicated challenging and expensive development dynamics that have long made it really hard to build anything new and so as demand shifts and as planning officials realize that we probably don't need as many office as much office space as there is potentially that could change but that's also going to be expensive for any sort of property owner or investor to pursue. And it's challenging in terms of, you know, taking an old office building and transforming it into housing that people would want. Exactly. So I don't, I don't know what the cost benefit of that would necessarily be. Um, But obviously it's a big part of the conversation right now in terms of repositioning the city for where demand is for today. It wasn't that long ago that the barriers to entry in San Francisco were a really big appeal for investors. Um, so do you think that there's any, op- there any chance the city shoots itself in the foot by making things easier? No. Um, no, just because there were, especially like with the zoning codes that they have, a lot of it just didn't make sense and was outdated or super cumbersome. And so this predates the pandemic, but it it needed to streamline a lot of those processes and make it so that there can be a more nimble development pipeline in the city because it just never existed before. Mm -hmm. And it gets back to the point you made earlier about the way San Francisco sees itself, the boom-bust cycle and the constant reinvention. I mean, do you think the spirit and intention is there to really capitalize on this moment? Yes, definitely. And especially from locals, too. Um, I was talking to a project manager who runs a small firm in the city, and he was saying that, look, like, yes, there are problems here, of course. There, There will be problems everywhere. But fundamentally, San Francisco is so unique in its location, in its atmosphere, and its environment, and it's going through a rough patch right now, but 
they'll come out on the other side and he's willing to invest in that and and stay for the long term so i don't want this to go on so long that everyone gets bored with it but i do want to get both of your highest high level takeaways from your reporting brian i'll start with you coming out all of this what do you think everyone should know about San Francisco? I, I, I think it's uh, if you go there and you, and you give the city a chance, you're, you're gonna see that things are better than you thought. And that's, that's, that's the thing. You've gotta maybe more people have to see it with their own eyes. And then, and, and as more people do that, they will see more business come in. You know, from the hotel side, having you know tourists want to you know visit the city again and, and see all the, the the spots and have companies feel comfortable, you know, getting the people back. And if and if all this you know results in the general cost of, of doing business there, if that if that drops you know a little bit to, to be more in line with other cities. And I'm sure it would gradually you know, increase over time again, but that's it, it's just it, it's going to take people going there to get more people to go there, and I'm, I'm pretty certain that's that's going to happen. And so it's a long-term investment, a long-term bet. But I, I, I see San Francisco coming back absolutely. Katie, I'll give you the final word on the subject. Before the pandemic, San Francisco was at the top of the top in terms of pricing, in terms of leasing activity, the types of companies it was attracting. And so from an outsider's perspective, it absolutely makes sense that it looks like the city's kind of just chilling in a dumpster fire right now because the drop-off was so dramatic and so sudden. But when you put it into perspective and you look at some of the long-term challenges and how they really are not particularly new, I'm mostly pointing to homelessness or crime or just some of the other things that the city has always contended with, it's not in a period of, you know, like the city is nearing its end. It's simply in a correction phase right now. That's what a lot of people have said to me in terms of the fact that rents were just getting so high that companies had nowhere to go and were, you know, leasing developments that had yet to even pull construction permits. It was getting to a point where the city was almost getting too hot for its own good. And so now it's in a period of rebalancing. And so using bright spots like the growing AI community or the fact that it has access to some of the most talented workforce populations in the world, there are the building blocks for it to be able to recover. I think that now you just need the government to step in, you need local investors to step in and just kind of carry it through what is right now just a, a challenging period in its history.
Hi, I'm Isaac Colazzo, Vice President of Analytics at STR. Hi, and I'm Jan Feitak, National Director for Hospitality Analytics for the CoStar Group. Tune in to our new show, Tell Me More, a hospitality data podcast. It's a podcast on the global hotel industry, its current trends, what we're thinking about, and where the industry's going. And we like to have fun with the data, too. Find us on hotelnewsnow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today.